welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. In this part, uh, uh, in this episode, I will be talking about the book of Boba Fett, and I will get to it at the end of the episode. Before we begin, I want to talk about this thing that's been bothering me. Um, three couples who I, um, three couples' relationships have disintegrated that I know of, one after the other, within the span of three days. And I'm going to add a fourth, um, just to make the story seem more interesting. And I'm going to go through them now. The first one was a an acquaintance of mine I kind of met initially through like Kickstarter and um, he's a author and stuff. Anyway, he was he was married. I met him. I met his wife. I met his two kids. Um, we're we're not close. We're not friends, but I know of him. We're acquaintances, and he. He went through a divorce, and he's a like devout Christian, and he went online, and he talked about it a little bit, and he was like, I feel like I'm disappointing people because I'm supposed to be this devout Christian, and my marriage failed. So that was one, couple one, that, that happened a, a few, a month or so ago, that came out it might have happened a while ago the second one was an acquaintance of mine through drumming and music I met him and his long him and his longtime girlfriend broke up and that's also very sad to me um I know they had, they lived together, they had cats together, I believe she's going to keep the cats, and talking about the cats, it's, some might think that's silly, I personally think it's really sad, because I heard that, well, I know for a fact he really loved those cats, and that's, it's a big, it's a big deal, and it's a bigger deal than you might think or want to admit, so that's very sad. The third one I'm including just because of coincidence, but it adds nothing to this story. It's actually a couple, a famous couple in the Philippines that my wife told me about. I have never heard of them, and I don't care about them. But I just included it just to make the story interesting. My wife keeps mentioning it to me like, Oh, it went viral, it went viral, and I'm like, who are these people? And she tells me their names. I'm going to say their, actually, I'm going to say their names because I don't care about them. Um, Someone named Moira. I believe she's a Filipina singer. Never heard of her in my life. And I, I don't even know her husband's name. But my wife keeps saying, she's, it went viral. And I guess it was a big deal because they were best friends for a long time. And they got married and she's a devout 
Catholic or Christian or something like that. And I don't know what happened. I don't really care what happened. I don't even know why I'm talking about it on this podcast. But I just wanted to add to the drama. My wife showed me this clip. I mean, it's sad. This, This guy who is announcing, I mean, who is narrating the video or narrating the news article or whatever... I don't know if he's in broadcasting. I don't know if he works for a news broadcast. But you got to wonder, this guy went, he could have gone through broadcasting school, college, internship, do all this hard work. And what he's announcing on this um, news program, the, the Instagram of Moira deleted all the pictures of her and her husband and on Facebook also, and on TikTok also. It's very sad. I'm, I'm talking more about the trajectory of that news guy's career rather than the disintegration of this Filipino couple that I've never heard of and I don't care about. Um, also, they had a guy signing for the deaf or hard of hearing that guy's probably like, I have to sign some asshole deleted their Instagram photos. All right, as long as I get paid. Anyway, that's the third one. The fourth one is the most impactful to me. Um, not really sure why, but... When I heard about this, it's a a guy and a girl. They're not my friends. But they are somewhat in the public eye, I guess. More so the guy. They were married. They lived together in a house. They also had a cat. And when I heard that they were getting a divorce, it kind of shocked me. It really surprised me, and um, it's the reason why I'm talking about it now. Um, I can't really explain why it's affecting me so hard. Um, If I had to explain, if I had to try to explain, I think it's because I relate to the guy so much, and I see myself in this guy, and I can't help but feel like if, if this is happening to them, then it could happen to me. And I know it could happen to anyone. That's the, that's the sad thing about relationships and marriage and divorce and annulments. Like, you could do everything wrong and your marriage could still stick it out till death. And you could do everything right and your marriage could still disintegrate into nothingness. Um, I don't know what went wrong with their marriage. I don't, well, that's not true. I do want to know what went wrong, but it is absolutely none of my business. Um, they're not my friends. They are just people I know of. And the, the night that I found out about it, I 
I kind of woke up my wife and she had to work early. She had to get up early the next morning. And um, I was talking to her as she was like sleeping kind of. And I was like, I was telling her about what happened. And I just, I couldn't sleep about it. I don't know. It was just so so shocking. You see, you know, you see, um, what do you call it? Tidbits. That's not the right word. But you see tidbits into their life, insights into their life through what they say and how they portray themselves online. And you just think, man, they're a wonderful couple. They're a beautiful couple. They're going to be together forever. They're going to have a bunch of babies. They're the perfect couple. And then you hear about this and I I can't stop thinking about it. I don't know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be this obsessed about it. And I wouldn't say obsessed. I'm just, it's disturbing to me. It's surprising to me. It's shocking to me. You think two people are just going to be together forever and then it just stops and it obviously it makes me think about my own relationship and my own wife and you know i i was so depressed one year that i didn't work for one year and she was working my wife was working full time as a nurse and how she didn't you know yell at me and be like bro you need to find you need to get a job motherfucker um, she didn't, she didn't do any of that. And I know it's difficult for people who have, who aren't depressed or who have never experienced depression to understand it. So I don't think she fully understands depression because why would you when you're not depressed? But she never, she never really pushed me, never pressured me. And it was a rough year. But we got through it. Um, plus the eighty billion other things that I do wrong. I'm I'm lazy. I'm overweight. I'm not attractive. I'm short. I play drums. I play video games. I buy video games. I buy drums stuff for my drum set. Um, I pr- should probably stop. But it's 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 frightening to think that one day all this could be over i i i quote unquote joke with my wife that the second i joked with her just the other day that i have a a cyanide tooth and if she were to ever decide to leave me like the second she decided to leave me i would bite down on my cyanide tooth and commit suicide um it's kind of a dark, humorous thing, but I tell her all the time, like, I, I joke with her recently, like, she asked me, because of this conversation, she's like, are you are you ever going to leave me? I'm like, no, I need your money, which is true, because I'm working part-time at an Amazon warehouse, and she's working full-time as a nurse, and she makes a significantly much more than I do. Let's move on. Um, let's just 
a move on. I actually wasn't planning on recording this morning, but my wife is asleep. I don't know if she's still sleeping, but um, I figure. Well, I was pl- I came up to my little office up here upstairs, and I was playing StarCraft to numb the pain of boredom. And I figure, you know, why not record an episode? And, um, you know, I, I was kind of on a roll there with these movies based on video games. And I like that. Getting back to the roots of the podcast, which I wanted to do movies based on video games. But last night I finished the book of Boba Fett. So I'm like, you know, I, I've done... Um, comic book movies on here superman doctor strange spider-man so i don't mind opening it up to these kind of geek things like geek tv shows geek movies or whatever you you call it i'm typing in book of boba fett just to reference for my review you know joe on the We'll See You in Hell podcast, talks about the website movieweb.com. He references it frequently. And um, I, because I, I, like I said, I wasn't planning on recording this episode, so I don't, I'm not super prepared. So I decided to check out movieweb.com to see if there was any um, news articles worth discussing. And I go on here, and there's absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing of nothing of note, I should say. Um, how the Bridgerton Ripple has inspired... This is the news beat, by the way. The new Odd Drummer Gaming news beat. How the Bridgerton Ripple has inspired inclusiveness in Regency-era endeavors. I don't know what half of those words mean. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. Interesting thing about Bridgerton is my wife and I binged Bridgerton the first season pretty quickly, and it's a solid show. I'll admit we were kind of swept away by the show, by the romance of it, by the good-lookingness of the two leads, um, by the family drama. My wife in particular liked one of the sisters. I couldn't tell you her name. She was uh, friends with the spoiler alert for Bridgerton. She was friends with the the girl who was doing the whatever you call it, the news articles. Let's move on from Bridgerton. Movieweb.com. Beavis and Butthead remastered episodes coming to Paramount Plus will include music videos. I was never a fan. I was never a fan. Um, Johnny Depp pays visit to Animal Rescue Center cuddles with Badger Cub. That's cool. Um, 
Never Have I Ever Season 3, What We Hope to See. I've never heard of that show ever. I don't know why it has a Season 3. Um, looking at the picture that they included, I don't recognize those two people. Um, best Jason Schwartzman performances ranked? Uh, that It's time to exit on the movieweb.com tab. I am pressing on the X. That's it for the news beat. Um, music beat, I got nothing. Gaming beat. I'm st- again going off from last episode. I'm still continuing with my Hyrule hangover, as it were. Um, just I've been playing it every so uh, often, just for a few minutes here and there. I think I might just start over because I don't know what what game to play next and and like i said i i don't there's no other game that's going to fill that void for breath of the wild there just isn't um what else do i got here uh-huh edmund's sad stuff you know what i recently purchased i purchased I purchased the um, Double Dragon Blu-ray, and you might ask, why? Why would you purchase the Double Dragon Blu-ray when, according to your review, I think I was a little down on my review, just because I was saying like, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't that great of a movie, and it wasn't. Um, the performances were over the top. Um, the The performances of the two leads, and probably including Alyssa Milano, were cartoonish, I guess. Um, but I mentioned in the Street Fighter review briefly that thinking about um double dragon it's kind of a it's a fun movie i think i prefer street fighter over double dragon but i definitely prefer double dragon over super mario brothers the movie and i might rewatch double dragon in the future and to be honest i had a fun time uh, watching my special edition Street Fighter Blu-ray slash Steelbook and going through the special features and talking about that on the podcast, I had a fun time. So I, now I kind of regret not doing that for the Double Dragon episode, but I purchased it. I haven't, I opened it, but I haven't popped it in the old PS5 yet. But that's Edmund's sad stuff this week. Here's some of the special features listed on Amazon because I don't have the Blu-ray in front of me. It's downstairs. Um, new, The Making of Double Dragon, full-length documentary featuring interviews with stars Scott Wolf and Mark DeCascos, writers Peter Gould and Michael Davis, 
my voice cracked, and producer Don Murphy. New Don Murphy portrait of a producer featurette, archival making of featurette, behind-the-scenes featurette, 1993 Double Dragon animated series pilot episode number 101, The Shadow Falls storyboard gallery, press photos, marketing and behind-the-scenes photo galleries, TV spots, VHS home video trailer, Original theatrical trailer, collectible mini poster, reversible sleeve featuring alternate artwork. Dogs barking. What I think is funny is in the special features, listed under the special features, it says high definition Blu-ray, 1080p, and standard definition DVD presentations of the main feature. It's not really special features. That's kind of the the main feature. Like, why would you list high-definition Blu-ray as a special feature? Anyway, um, that's it for Edmund's sad stuff this week. I feel like this episode is super low energy. Um, I am quite tired and quite depressed. I should have drank a Red Bull, but I have work tonight, so... I don't want to have too much energy throughout the day because I'm going to have to try to take a nap later at around between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. so I can wake up at 1 a.m. so I can work up at 3 a.m. and work a double shift at the Amazon warehouse. Um, Does anyone find my listing of my work schedule interesting on this podcast? I didn't think so. Um, let's move on to the Odd Drummer Gaming movie beat. I watched Unforgiven. I was scrolling through HBO Max. I saw Unforgiven was playing. It came out in 1992. Let's look at the Wikipedia. Um... Revisionist Western film directed, produced by, and starring Clint Eastwood in the lead role written by David, David, jeez, David Webb Peoples. Um, I was surprised to see Gene Hackman in this. I didn't know he was in it. Um... I saw him most recently in The Quick and the Dead, also a Western. There was an old man in this movie that I did not recognize. His voice sounded familiar, but I didn't recognize him. I looked him up, and it's Richard Harris, also known as the first Dumbledore. I, you know, this movie, you know... Pat Walsh references this movie a few times in We'll See You in Hell. I listened to it recently, actually. The way he says it, um, Joe's, they were criticizing Hollywood as per usual. And Joe's like, what what are you going to do after all this is over? And then Pat's like, I'm going to retire on my cool ranch. I'm going to have a cool ranch, till the land, and live out my life until um, you write up 
you ride up and then we go drinking together and we kill a bunch of people. So I was excited to see this movie because they talk about it on We'll See You in Hell a lot. And I gotta say, I I thought it was fine. You know, I think a second watch is really going to solidify. It's just like how I felt with The Quick and the Dead. I think a second watch will solidify uh, my opinion. But I felt like the movie was pretty slow throughout. And... But the ending, I mean, it's kind of like how Pat felt about Rogue One. That most of the movie to him felt pretty dull until that last 45 minute um, battle. And that's kind of how I felt here, where it felt pretty slow until that last shootout when um, William Money goes back to avenge his best friend, Ned. So it's like, it's a simple story where the the movie opens with these two guys. They're in a, in the movie, I believe it's called a a whorehouse. Um, Let's just call it brothel. I don't know if that's accurate either. And this, um, one of the let's not call them whores let's one of the prostitutes um, laughs at the guy's penis because it is small and he gets insulted and he gets mad so he proceeds to get a knife and cut up her face and so everyone freaks out and they get the sheriff little bill played by Gene Hackman. And so, you know, they the prostitutes are like, you better hang these boys um, for what they done did to whatever her name is, Delilah, I think. And I'm not sure why Little Bill um, is very lenient on these two guys. I'm sure it was explained. I'm sure it's in there, but I'm 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 pretty dumb. I'm sorry. But um, the the prostitutes are like, you better hang them boys, and little Bill's like, you bo- you boys are gonna give a bunch of your horses to the owners of the brothel. That's your punishment. And the prostitutes like, you you ain't even gonna whip them. And he's, little Bill's like, um, I think you've seen enough violence for today. And so the prostitutes kind of huddled together and they put their money together to put up a bounty, a thousand dollar bounty to kill these two guys who cut up this fellow prostitute's face. Which I think is kind of, isn't that like an overreaction? I mean, kill these two guys who cut up this girl's face. I mean, they could like at least beat beat them up or, I don't know, steal all their horses or do something to them. I don't know if death is the right punishment, but anyway, not important. Just, a, just my thoughts. And 
because I understand that the the girl they cut up, she can't work properly. She can't make a full living because as per the movie, they're like, no one's going to want to fuck up a cut up whore. Um, that's the movie's words, not mine. Um, anyway, so this young kid goes to um, William Money, who is Clint Eastwood. And, and he's like, I heard you were a, a good shot. I heard you were the best shot, the worst shot in, in the world, whatever. So he basically goes to Clint Eastwood, who is now like retired, an, an, a former outlaw, but he's a farmer now with two young kids. His wife died three years prior, and he's retired. And this young kid is like, I need a partner to get to collect this bounty. And he refuses. He's like, nah, I, I don't, I, that's not me anymore. That's not me. So he's like, Suppose, supposedly he's trying to redeem himself for his previous crimes. And later it's revealed that his previous cr- crimes were killing women and children and anything that walked or crawled. So he's trying to redeem himself because his wife kind of helped him change his ways. So the kid's like, all right, well, if you change your mind, I'll be up the yonder frontier or whatever. I didn't like that kid, the Schofield kid. Um, I didn't like his acting until he broke down after, spoiler alert, after he killed his first kill. I liked him in that scene. That was an impressive scene. But prior to that, his acting wasn't working on me. Um, anyway, I don't have to go through the whole plot. I, I'm at the 30 minute mark. What, what have I talked about through this whole podcast? I can't even remember. I'm not lying. I guess I'm pretty tired. Um, anyway, so the movie is, like I said, pretty slow to me, but I did like that final shootout. And it, it's this thing, like it kind of reminds me of Batman v Supes where the ending sequence to me was so good but the form the prior 2 hours were so dull and it makes me think does the final battle redeem the former 2 hour dullness and in my mind it's like no you have to be entertaining throughout but I feel like a second watch of Unforgiven, I'll probably like it a lot more. And I'll see that the build-up, the slowness is essential to to make that last sequence work. Um, it's definitely worth watching. And I'm glad I watched it. But that made that made me kind of go on a mini rabbit hole because after Forgiven, because HBO Max has a bunch of like recommendations, so one of them was like The Pale Rider, a bunch of Clint Eastwood movies, The Pale Rider. One of them was the Outlaw Josie Wales. So I kind of looked up, I looked up like Clint Eastwood best westerns. 
And at the top of the list was Fistful of Dollars. So I was reading up on that. And I read that it was a a remake, a loose remake, or a um, unofficial remake of Yojimbo. A, Jap- a 1961 Japanese samurai film co-written, produced, edited, and directed by Akira Kurosawa, who is a legend. So I decided to watch next Yojimbo. And let me look at my Excel list. Yojimbo came out in 1961. I watched it on HBO Max. I feel like I'm about to fall asleep. Um, does it sound like I'm about to die? Like I'm about to take my last breath any second now. Um, I'll be sure to uh, stop the podcast and at least export this audio file and post it so that so that everyone can hear my last breath. That doesn't make sense because I'm going to use my last breath to click post. Anyway, um... Yojimbo, I really liked. This is one thing that I'm kind of confused by. Because I know that a lot of Westerns were inspired by Akira Kurosawa's samurai films. And not just that, but the influence of Akira Kurosawa is like... It's easily seen in and easily felt in Westerns, but it goes further than that. It goes to Star Wars, obviously, but Star Wars is a space Western. It's basically a Western in space. And Star Wars influenced a bunch of things after that. So it's it's interesting to see um, how far the legacy of Akira Kurosawa is felt after his movies were made but for for example this is the one thing i keep thinking of when you watch yojimbo which came out in 1961 there are so many things about it that scream western and i'm confused by it because in my mind, now I, I don't know if this is true or not, but in my mind, I'm I feel like 1860 final years of the Japanese Edo period should not feel anything like American Western. You know what I mean? They they could they couldn't be polar opposites. So so my point is, like, did Westerns just completely steal the feel of these samurai movies and make them into Westerns? Because, for example, the whole layout of this village or this town in Yojimbo, where you have the houses and businesses on, on like, two sides two parallel sides and in the middle there's this wide open space and it feels like a western because you you imagine two people on either side of that 
um, doing a shootout or a bunch of people on either side of that doing a shootout. And it just, so much of it, it felt like a Western. And I'm just, it makes me think like, okay, if all Westerns stole from Japanese samurai films, is any of that based on accuracy? Like how, how, what what was the wild, wild west actually like in America? I, I want to know. Um, I don't want to know hard enough to actually look it up, but um, it was just very interesting to see, like, just the feel of Yojimbo how much of it felt like a western but it's it itself is the opposite of a western it's a japanese samurai film film set in the edo period uh it was confusing but it was it was fascinating um so i liked i really liked yojimbo i thought it was very fun the story i'll try to be brief is about this samurai who wanders into um, a town and he kind of gets in between these two warring, uh, I don't know if you call it gangs or families. And um, he decides to kind of wedge himself in between and kind of manipulate both sides and uh, take advantage of both sides and, get money from both sides, manipulate both sides. And there's some fun parts, there's some funny parts. And then by the end, he decides to kind of become a good guy and help this family out. And he ends up getting beat, beaten up and imprisoned. But he escapes. And the last... Um, fight, battle, it's between him and a, bu- a group of guys, <laughs> and it's, it's very cool, but it, it's like, that's the thing, it's like, it's a samurai movie, but it feels like a western, but that's the, it feels like the wrong thing to say, it's not a samurai movie feels like a western, if, I should say westerns all feel like samurai movies, um, but it's very cool. It was very fun. Um, I, you know, I was reading about it on the Wikipedia, and Kurosawa stated that a major source of the plot was the movie *The Glass Key*, which is an ad- adaptation of Dashiell Hammett's 1931 novel *The Glass Key*. And then other film critics and historians note that. Yojimbo is closer to another Hammett novel, Red Harvest. Um, some people think it's an inspiration. Other think it's coincidental. So, I don't know. And I guess Yojimbo is, has been quote-unquote referenced, remade a bunch of times. One thing I thought was interesting was... Um, Star Wars A New Hope, listed. this is listed on the Wikipedia, pays narrative and visual homage to Yojimbo during the cantina scene early in the film when Luke Skywalker 
approaches the bar, he is accosted by Panda Baba and Dr. Ivazan, who, like the gamblers confronting Sanjuro, inform him of serious criminal penalties they have received elsewhere, death sentences in 12 jurisdictions to intimidate him. Um, so, like, I think we can move on from Yojimbo, but I liked it. And so after Yojimbo, I watched A Fistful of Dollars. And I feel like, again, kind of similar with Unforgiven, but I I feel I feel like, I, first of all, I was tired, significantly more tired when I was watching A Fistful of Dollars than I was watching Yojimbo. And I feel like I shouldn't have watched A Fistful of Dollars right after watching Yojimbo because... It's considered a, like I said, loose remake, an official remake. And I I feel like I should put some space between them before I should I could compare them. Because all the symbol all the similarities I felt like Oh, that was in Yojimbo. Oh, that was done better in Yojimbo. And it I couldn't help but feel like it was a ripoff rather than it was being remade. And I, I don't think that's fair to A Fistful of Dollars. And A Fistful of Dollars is obviously praised and it's considered one of the best westerns ever made. So, um, but when I watched... God damn it. But when I watched A Fistful of Dollars, I, I thought it, it was just very slow and very boring. And, like, for example, in A Fistful of Dollars, he, you know, it's the guy, the man with no name. And he's the stranger. And he wanders into this town. And he witnesses, like, a little boy trying to get into this um, house or whatever. And these guys kick him out. They treat him badly. They shoot at him. And the guy runs back to his dad. And the guy and the stranger is just observing. And then he walks into the town, and then this, um, I don't know what you call him, Barker or something, he's like, Oh, who are you here to meet? The Rojos? The Baxters? Da 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 da. Are you here to get rich? Are you here to die? Um, I don't know. I felt like the exposition was done better in Yojimbo. Because in A Fistful of Dollars, I felt like you don't know anything about this guy. And all of a sudden, he's like meddling in between the meddling in the business of these two warring families. And it it honestly felt awkward. And all of a sudden, he's he's introducing himself to the Rojos and um, he's like living in their house. And I just, it felt weird. It felt a little rushed. Um, and then in Yojimbo, it felt like he was, I don't know, it, it felt done better. It felt a little more streamlined, a little more smooth. And they explained that, um, 
I, c- I can barely remember. I just I I prefer I vastly preferred Yojimbo to a fistful of dollars, and I can't say for sure, but if I had to guess, I would say that um, millions more people have seen and like a fistful of dollars more than people have seen and liked Yojimbo. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong to assume that. But um, I would have to rewatch it. I don't want to do it anytime soon. That's how same thing how I feel about movies like The Quick and the Dead. I don't know. Um, all the all the time, I feel like I didn't love this movie, but maybe I should rewatch. I say that all the time, but I rarely rewatch them. I tend to rewatch movies that I like. Why would I want to rewatch a movie I wasn't too hot on the first time around? So, um, I was mostly bored with A Fistful of Dollars. But I know people love that movie. And again, it's listed at the top of Western, so I, I don't know. Maybe I was just tired. I also tried to watch um, another movie based on, I I should mention, A Fistful of Dollars came out in 1967, and I actually actually subscribed to Prime Video AMC Plus, because I was already subscribing to Shudder, which is $5.99 a month, and then AMC Plus has a free trial and then it's eight ninety nine a month, so that's three dollars more than I was playing for Shutter only, and AMC Plus includes Shutter. And um, I may or may not cancel that free trial before it's over. But a fistful of dollars is not playing anywhere as part of the subscriptions, except for not anywhere, f- quote unquote, free. It's not really free when you subscribe, but. It's playing on AMC Plus, so I'm I'm doing the free trial. Um, what was I? Oh, I tried to watch The Warrior and the Sorceress, which is another kind of loose ripoff or loose remake slash ripoff of Yojimbo, set in a fantasy setting, starring David Carradine. I heard there's nudity. But I stopped it last night because I was sleepy. And apparently I didn't get much sleep last night. Um, let's move on to the book of Boba Fett. I guess I have Western on the mind because the first thing it says, the book of Boba Fett is an American space Western. Created by John Favreau. Um, let me... Let me see this. So it premiered on December 29, 2021. And the last episode came out in February 9, 2022. And I've, I watched the last episode last night, um, June 3rd, 2022. So I don't know what it is about this show. But... Um, it's like, I don't want to say out loud that I don't like the show. I don't, I'm not sure why. I don't know why. Uh, 
because um, the Mandalorian, my wife and I binged fast. Like we'd binge two, three episodes in a row. I think I think they they released them weekly as well, and we binged it fast, first and second season. And um, so you know, Boba Fett was introduced in season two of The Mandalorian along with um, Fennec Shand. And, you know, something about The Mandalorian we just really liked. For me, well, like Baby Yoda obviously was a, a, a fun gimmick for a lot of people. Baby Yoda, you know, for my wife as well. It's a cute character, of course. But even the Mandalorian, like when I think back to the Mandalorian, and he, um, he like he was doing all these jobs, and then he was slowly building up his armor, and then all of a sudden he got this, I forget the word, Basker armor or something. Um, I, if I could find it in two seconds. I know I'm looking at Book of Boba Fett. Of course. Of course I am. Um, no, Basker. What's the word? I'm not going to find it. Arma. Beskar. I was pretty close with Basker. Beskar. Um, so that that was cool how he was like upgrading his armor, upgrading, upgrading his weaponry. Then they introduce Ahsoka, and then season two of The Mandalorian, uh, spoiler alert, it it culminates with fucking Luke Skywalker coming in and taking away Baby Yoda, because that was the trajectory of that journey, was he was trying to get this Baby Yoda to someplace safe. And he got him to his people, quote-unquote people, which is the Jedi. Um, so he meets Ahsoka, and then he meets Luke Skywalker. And it was it was very cool. That That's the best way I can explain it, cool. And I remember Joe DeRosa on We'll See You in Hell. He said Mandalorian Season 1 he hated because he didn't want to see almost Boba Fett try to rescue almost Yoda but I gotta say it's like I I don't know it had the opposite effect on me where the Mandalorian was super cool and when you introduce Boba Fett it's it almost feels significantly less cool in comparison to the Mandalorian which is interesting because Boba Fett was part of the original trilogy. Um, that character was embedded in the stories. Start, I mean, even in the prequels, the Mandalorian. I believe, like, I don't, I can't speak to like the novels or anything like that. But the Mandalorian was a a new character to me, to my wife. Well, all the characters are new to my wife, but like. It's a new character. It's a new story. Baby Yoda is a new story, new character, and it worked on me. It worked on the world. 
And I, I also remember um, Joe DeRosa talking on during a live show episode of We'll See You in Hell how the Mandalorian should have started and it was like Boba Fett. And it, it was almost like a scene-for-scene um, description of what they actually ended up doing in the first episode of the book of Boba Fett, which is interesting. If You, you should check that out. Um, but by the time Boba Fett came out, so the first episode I thought was cool, like how he came out of the, oh God, what's it called? Um, the Sarlacc pit. I thought that was pretty cool, but the, the first four episodes of the book of Boba Fett was kind of a grind to get through. And, you know, theoretically, it should work because it's similar to The Mandalorian because he ends up getting rescued by... <sighs> I don't know any of these names. The Tusken Raider. No, that's the bad guy. No. There, I okay. I'm just gonna say the Tuscan Raiders rescued Boba Fett. Um, you know that could be accurate or not. I will never know. I don't know. But theoretically, it it should work because he becomes ingrati- ingratiated in the culture of the Tuscan Raiders. They accept him, and they. He even gets like his staff, so he's built. He's he's doing a similar st- trajectory to the Mandalorian, where he's getting his like he's getting his armor back. He's getting his um, st- he's getting the staff, which is also it's badass. But for whatever reason, episode one through four was was a trudge to get through it was a chore it felt like a chore and we would watch one and literally six weeks would go by three months would go by and then we would watch another one and then another six weeks would go by four months i I don't think the timeline i don't think these months are adding up correctly but um a lot of time would go by and for like for example we watched hawkeye we watched it in 2 days for whatever reason it's just, we just found it very entertaining this one for whatever reason it was just, it just felt very slow and then um so that felt that that pattern was repeating itself for the first four episodes. We'd watch one and then a lot of time would go by. Then we'd watch another, then a lot of time. And like neither of us wanted to admit out loud that we weren't really enjoying it. And I think maybe we were kind of enjoying it, but not obviously not as much as The Mandalorian, as Hawkeye, as other things. So Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out. And we binged like the first two episodes, one after another. And then we watched the third episode soon after. 
And then she even asks me, is that it? And I'm like, we have to wait for the next one. And she's like, I hate that. And I'm like, well, Netflix and has spoiled you. Because back in the day, back in the good old days, um, we'd have to wait weekly for new episodes to drop. So now we're waiting with bated breath the next episode of Obi-Wan. And we like the show. It's a, it's a good show. It's really good. It's, it has Western elements as well. You know, going to Obi-Wan, we need you for one last fight. Please rescue my daughter. Um, and then he has to atone for his mistakes. It's it's very embedded in Western. Well, now that I think about it, it's very embedded in samurai lore. And so after we binged Obi-Wan, we were like, what can we watch next? And then I was like, well, we could watch Boba Fett, I guess. So we turn on episode five and it's essentially um, a Mandalorian episode. And again, we're like into it again because it's like Mandalorian. So... Then we watched episode six, which is more Mandalorian. And then we watched seven. So, like, I was reading a lot of the reviews about Boba Fett, and I I couldn't help but agree with them. I couldn't help but agree with them. And um, let's look at some of these reviews. So basically, you got mixed reviews. And um, do, 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 do. people are praising Morrison. Um, what's his? Now I have to scroll where I was. Um, Temuera Morrison. I think he does a good job. I will get to that um, soon. This is interesting. It says Temuera Morrison stars as the title character with Ming-Na Wen and Pedro Pascal also starring. I mean, I guess Pedro Pascal is starring, but he's, well, he's in three out of seven episodes, so I guess. You know, my, my wife... She was kind of joking when she said this, but she was kind of she she said that in the fifth episode they brought back the Mandalorian because Boba Fett was boring. Um, she was kind of joking, but there's some truth to, to that. I gotta say, um, Jesse Hassinger said the show was really season 2.5 of The Mandalorian. That was true starting from episode 5. And that it had a baffling structure with poorly integrated flashbacks that halted abruptly halfway through the season. And an equally sudden swerve away from Boba Fett himself shortly thereafter. It's true. Um... The Ringer staff opined. Is it opined? Opined. I, what the fuck is that word? Is that a verb? Opined? 
opined. I was from t- context clues. I'm assuming it means stated their opinion that opined. I'm looking this opined. I I don't understand these symbols when they're supposed supposedly they're they're showing the phonetic description of opined but there's all these lines and symbols i don't know what that means opine 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 what what about the man is genius he opined hold and state is one of his opinion so my context clues deductions were correct madam um the ringer staff opined that's a stupid fucking word that excluding fett from the series penultimate two episodes negatively impacted the finale with general praise for the tie-in to the mandalorian including grogu's appearance and cad bane's live action debut excluding his death some opined you don't need to use this the word twice in the same paragraph all right it's a stupid fucking word some opined that Fett is better in a supporting role. Um, the cyborg gang was negatively compared to the Power Rangers. Um, I, why is his name Boba Fett? People know that Boba is a popular, like, what is boba my wife gets it all the time it's it's a taiwanese drink tapioca balls tapioca balls are edible translucent spheres produced from tapioca a starch extracted from the cassava root i know that boba fed is his name and that's fine there's nothing wrong with it but people are Obviously going to talk, they're going to think about Boba, the tapioca balls, right? Anyway, um, I was reading yesterday about the Luke Skywalker appearance and his likeness and vocal likeness were used in episode six of the book of Boba Fett. And the article I read was kind of dumb, but it was basically saying that Mark Hamill wasn't necessarily involved with the episode, but his likeness was involved and a, a performance actor and a voice actor combined with technology that recreates vocals based on past vocals was used i think it's called re-speech so they're essentially bringing the character of young luke skywalker back from the dead because he um i don't know it's interesting i kind of felt like it was shoehorned in there to be a fan service i don't think we needed a 
a lengthy scene with Luke Skywalker. Um, I liked his appearance. Well, I liked the fact that he showed up at the end of season two Mandalorian because I thought that was a cool tie-in. I I, I don't. I'm not going to comment on the the de aging because I. I guess I missed it when people made fun of it because it looked bad. Apparently, I I don't recall. But in season in episode six of the book of Boba Fett, there's a lengthy s- sequence with him in it. I don't think we needed it. I it just felt like shoehorned uh, fan service. Apparently, Rosario Dawson is getting her own spin-off as Ahsoka. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka in Star Wars. She's playing something called the DMZ or the DMV for DC. She played the night nurse in Marvel's Daredevil. It's too much, Rosario. Go back to your creek. That was a Dawson's Creek reference. Um, so last night, the, the finale of the Book of Boba Fett. Star Wars does this thing lately that I feel like it's it's overdone. I feel like it's overdone. Where you feel like the good guys are failing. They're losing. And it's almost like you could you could feel the goosebumps, you can feel the hair rising up on your skin. Oh, here's the moment where the tides are going to turn, where a good guy turns up. And I understand that's a necessary trope, a common trope. But we saw it in Obi-Wan, spoiler alert for Obi-Wan Kenobi, we saw it in Obi-Wan Kenobi when he was about to when he was kneeling down in front of the stormtroopers and then Tala came out of nowhere and shot the stormtroopers. Tala is hecka attractive, by the way. And then same thing in um, in the book of Boba Fett when the Mandalorian and Boba Fett were fit losing and you think, oh, this is the time where they're going to die. And then the fighters from Freetown come in, or Fennec Shand rescues them, or the, I almost said Tarmac, whatever that cre- that monster creature comes in to rescue everyone. I understand that's almost, that's, you have to have that trope in every, in anything that requires a, you know, heroes fighting about against bad guys, but I, I don't know. It felt overdone. It felt overdone, and I'm not going to say the C- CGI was bad in the book of Bo- Boba Fett. I feel like I can't speak right, um, but I'm going to say it wasn't particularly good. Um, like the, I don't know what they're called, but the giant, it looks like a giant version of those things that were fighting in, 
Phantom Menace. They like roll up in a ball and they uncurl and then they shoot and they have bubble shields around them. Those giant things in the finale. The the CGI wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And I'm assuming like, you know, with movies, you have the budgets and sometimes you have the time and the effort to be able to put into making the CGI look great. But in this, it, 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 it wasn't great. It felt a little cartoonish, a little video game-ish, a little video gamey. And it's not necessarily a criticism, it's just an observation. Um, what else can we talk about the book of Boba Fett? Ming-Na Wen is great as always. Um, I mentioned in the Street Fighter episode of this podcast that I appreciate her for her contributions as an Asian actress and um, playing Asian characters dating back from Mulan and then Chun-Li and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and now Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. She really is a badass, um, and she's never talked about, and that's good and bad. It's good because she's not part of any scandals that I know of, but it's bad because, as Pat Walsh would say, people are only thinking about (laughs) Melanie Gabru on TikTok, TikToker babalu babibu um but more people should be talking about ming na wen um i i did want to mention because even even last night i asked my wife who do you who do you like more the mandalorian or boba fett and she kind of scoffed at the question she's like of course the mandalorian and i feel the exact same way and i got to say Unfortunately, I think it has to do with the Mandalorian being there's a mystery, there's a mystery to him. His armor makes him look cool, the helmet helps a lot. And I'm just going to say this and I don't I'm not proud of this. I'm not happy about this, but there's something about Boba Fett being a paunchy a bald man with his helmet constantly off compared to the slimmer silver armored Mandalorian I think that has something to do with it Um, I think most people wouldn't want to say that out loud or admit it And again, I'm not proud to admit it, but I think that has something to do with it. Um, You're you're not going to have a cool shirt with Boba Fett with his helmet off on it. I wouldn't think so. You need that helmet on. You know what I mean? There's a mystery factor to it. There's a coolness factor to it. And his helmet is off on a lot of the show which i get because you want to 
you want to showcase the actor, you want to showcase his acting skills, and he's a great actor. But there's there's just something about that Mandalorian um, mystery and his helmet, and this is the way, and the, there's something, there's a coolness factor that the Mandalorian has that the Bo- Bo- Boba Fett doesn't. Which, again, is interesting because Boba Fett dates back to the original trilogy and the prequels. Um, I think Jodorosa um, owes a lot to nostalgia for that. And that's not, that's not a negative thing. I'm just saying. Um, uh, and I don't know. I don't know if people agree with this assessment. But that's what I would have to say. Um so like in terms of the Mandalorian we we liked it a lot more than the book of Boba Fett. I I also feel it was it might have been I think the Mandalorian was just a funner show. Um it it was probably more well done which is interesting because the book of Boba Fett was created by John Favreau who also created the Mandalorian, but um, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it came down to the writing or directing. I'm not sure. I mean, it says here John Favreau wrote a bunch of these Book of Boba Fett episodes, so I I really don't know what it was. Um, But maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe people love the book of Boba Fett. Anyway, good to see um, the Mandalorian reunite with Baby Yoda. Although I'm, I'm a bit bummed that um, Baby Yoda isn't going to continue his training as a Jedi, and he's not gonna take up the mantle of Yoda. That's kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it's you can't have both. You can't have everything you want. He made his choice between um, returning to um, the Mandalorian or continuing his training as a Jedi. So he made his choice. You can't have both. But um, it is kind of a bummer that he's not going to become a Jedi. He's not going to become another Yoda. But it also explains why there's no second Yoda during the episode 789. You know, they had to... I don't know. I don't know what happened to Grogu during that time. I think that's it for this episode. I think everyone... um, If everyone listening isn't asleep by now, I mean, kudos to you. I'm surprised. Um... I'm about to collapse myself. It's 11 o'clock. What the heck have I been doing this whole time? I don't know what I've been talking about for the last hour and 15 minutes. Um, if you like Final Fantasy VII videos, please check out youtube.com slash odddrummergaming. If you like drums and video games, please check out youtube.com slash drumj8. Thank you for listening.
say hi to your pets for me.